You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 19, April Fools, Ready Player One, and What the Dead, Still Gotta Mean Something. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hey, Brian, 19. At 19, you can drink legally in Canada. Well, we'll have to move to Canada. Ah, but we're both over 21, so that's actually okay in America. So, we got a lot to talk about. A lot. We've got another episode of What the Dead. Yes. And we saw some uh, movie trailers we want to talk about, and a Mm -hmm. movie we saw Mm -hmm. the other day that we also want to discuss. But I thought before we got started with that, this previous Sunday was April Fool's Day. Yeah. And the geek world is not immune to April Fool's pranks. Perhaps some of the most cruel April Fool's pranks are done in the geek world, Brian. I was so disappointed. The biggest one for me this year... Because there was just that moment that I I wasn't expecting it. And that was somebody reported that the BBC on their website, and they put a link to it also. That's what made it worse. I didn't bother to click the link because I caught on to it pretty quickly. But they said that because this year is the 55th anniversary of Doctor Who, that this year's Christmas special, that all five of the modern doctors were going to be involved in the Christmas special. And I was like, oh, that's a... April 1st, that's what this is. Oh, Oh, my God. I had that one a couple years ago when the Reduced Shakespeare Company was going to do the complete Doctor Who abridged, and I was so excited about it, Brian. It was, oh, it was really upsetting. And this year for me, it was Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, they did you. Yeah. But, you know, there is one good April Fool's tradition in the geek world. If you're familiar with Think Geek. Think Geek, yes. Yes, they were selling the geeky stuff before people were really into the geeky stuff. I remember buying stuff from them back oh, yes. in the early 90s. But they got into a tradition. They decided to do an April Fool's joke, and they came up with this idea for a sleeping bag. It was mm-hmm. a Tauntaun sleeping bag, and you unzipped it, and it had embroidered pink guts on the inside, and the pillow looked like the, the Tauntaun head. So you could sleep like Luke. But... The funny thing about this April Fool's prank, of course, is that people would click on this and like, God, I got to have this, mm-hmm. this sleeping bag. It's like, no, there, there's no such thing. We're, we're just making a joke. But they were so adamant for them to make it that they talked to Lucasfilms and got the rights to make it. And they actually made it. And it became a real thing. Yes. And so it's a tradition every year that they come up with a handful of fake products. Just to be mean. But also, in some cases, these become real products. Like last year, there was a tentacled blanket, a snuggle blanket, last year that was an April Fool's prank. Like a mermaid tail blanket? More like, I would say, more like a Cthulhu, because it's a green blanket and Uh it's got tentacles coming out of the bottom of it. Uh It was a prank last year, but they decided to actually make it, and so you can Mm. buy it this year. I think unicorn meat was one of the products that everyone really, really wanted. Uh, The portal tea t-shirts there were two t-shirts one had the red portal and one had the blue portal and supposedly there was a technology involved so that there were cameras set up so that if you look through the blue shirt you're looking out of the red one and back and forth so it looked like somebody amazing yeah so amazing that it wasn't technically possible (laughs) 
Yeah. But one thing that they did do electronically clothing that started out as an April Fool's prank but is now available was the Technomancer hoodie. Do you remember this? No. They actually have them on sale now for around $44. But what it is, it's a hoodie that has LEDs in the hood, uh, in the arms. It has motion sensors in the arms. It also has a soundboard. And so by by moving your hands a certain way, you throw a fireball, the the sleeves turn red, you hear a whoosh. There's a... Hadouken? Yeah, there's kind of like that. (laughs) There's there's a a healing one where the head glows and, and you heal yourself, all kinds of different things. And it's all about the the way that you turn your hands and throw out, you know, you can throw thunderbolts and it you know, crackles lightning and all kinds Sounds of weird stuff. Sounds a bit stuff. like um, dance crews have done this. Uh, I think I've seen videos of dance crews. Their suits were, you know, with their music and they would light up at different times. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was a that was a prank, but they actually started making it. And so this year, give you a list of the different products that they that we don't get that we Mm -hmm. that we may get maybe we will maybe Maybe. we don't but we'll see but right now it's just a cruel cruel joke exactly so the first thing they came up with was the rick and morty screaming sun alarm clock where (laughs) it's an you have this wood face clock digital clock and you have this scene of houses on the top uh cut out but when the alarm goes off you get the sun rick just jumping up and just screaming at you to wake you up and so the the price for that was going to be like fifty nine ninety nine, but of course uh, a prank. But also for fourteen ninety nine, you could get the Star Trek Klingon alphabet fridge magnets. That is brilliant because if I had toddlers in the house that I was teaching to read, I would want them to learn Klingon first. We must be ready for our mm-hmm. Klingon overlords to take over. And so they're multicolored, but they're all Klingon letters. And so that was for fourteen ninety nine. also a prank. One of my personal favorites for eighteen ninety nine, the Jurassic World Dinosaur Detection System, which is basically a little platform that has a backing with a plaque and a place to put a glass of water. To see if there are rings in it. Exactly. So... <laughs> And there's a, on the back of this plaque is like different levels of however active the water is tells you how close the dinosaurs are. And how fast you need to run. Yeah. Must go faster. Must go faster. Yeah. The ripple effect one, area secure, ripple level two, possible dinosaur, ripple level three, dinosaur approaching, ripple level four, run, attack imminent. So <laughs> Must go faster. They also came up, and this was a personal favorite of mine. I don't think this is going to become a real product because I don't know how you actually do it. But the 46andMe Stat Discovery Kit. For people who know the 23andMe the her- ancestor. Yeah, the he- Heritage. Exactly. Uh-huh. You spit into the, into the test tube. They and check they your t- DNA. You check yes. your DNA and find out where your background, your ancestry is. And so uh, 46andMe, it's a little bit different because you send them a sample and they come back what your D&D stats would be. It's brilliant. I don't know that I would want to know my real life D and D stats because you know I'm a pretty powerful wizard yeah. right now in D and D, and I don't want to know what because I have like no dexterity. I have no. And so, uh, also for one hundred twenty nine ninety nine, they had the Fortnite RC Battle Bus. If people play Fortnite, and a lot of people play Fortnite, they had this... I don't know what that is. Oh, well, it's uh, basically the game that if you're looking for somebody and they're outside and they're not outside and they haven't been outside for a long time, they're most likely playing Fortnite and they're probably streaming it on Twitch. But uh, the Battle Bus, it's got the... It's it's an RC. It flies. It's got a balloon on the top. uh, And for about $129.99, it'll be yours if they ever decide to actually make it. Otherwise, April Fool's. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that one can stay a cool something show. else that was a joy to me that broke my heart that this wasn't real for sixty eight ninety nine the alien face hugger snorkel mask. Oh, that is brilliant! Yes, so it fits over your face, and the snorkel is the tail of the face hugger. Oh gosh, I would love like coming up out of the lake with that on my face, and oh, like yeah. right in front of a group of kids. Oh yes, oh, a whole brilliant. lot of fun. And also for twenty four ninety nine, we got the Rock'em Shock'em robots, Tesla versus Edison. Oh my gosh! Tell me, tell me, please, that when the loser gets their their block knocked off, that they actually get shocked. They should. But April Fools, right? But April, but April Fools. So think, geek, if you're listening to this, if you make this product, be sure and make it shock the loser. Also, for one hundred ninety nine ninety nine, they had the Quest Management Kit. It is basically a corkboard, but it also comes with a heraldry flag, a box, a treasure box, and a baseball cap with a uh, exclamation point above it for some reason hmm. but i guess just when you succeed at a quest you get to wear the hat so mm-hmm. people can be amazed at your ability and your skills okay well that one can stay a joke yep because that's that's pretty expensive for a cork board yeah. so i'll just get a cork board uh an upgrade on a classic for 1999 the bluetooth pet rock oh pet rock okay um so with the bluetooth i guess from your phone you can tell it to sit yeah, exactly. And stay. Exactly. You don't actually, and play dead. Yeah, you don't have to actually tell them to do that. You can just do it from the app. You can mm, say, stay, stay, play dead. Play dead. And of course, the Tentacuddle Blanket, which was the one last year that was an April Fool's joke, now for $60, you can get you one. Oh, that's awesome. So it's basically a wraparound. It's like a Snuggie, basically. Yeah. But it's a Snuggie but it has that has tentacles. tentacles. Yeah, so you can look like the Kraken or, you know. I guess there are other hentai jokes we could be making here. I'm not sure. Well, there's a hentai. What's our audience? Are um, we allowed? There's a hentai joke in here somewhere, and I'm going to leave it where it lies. Okay, all right. I think. Okay. <laughs> that might be a good idea. All right, that's just fine. So, but that's what we got uh, this year for April Fool's. We'll have to go to thinkgeek.com. And to demand see, the. And demand your favorite April Fool to see if they'll eventually make it for you. So we have that. And we saw a movie. We did. We saw Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Of course, we had to see that film because obviously it's a it it's is geek perfect. He- it's geek heaven. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely geek heaven. Before we talk about the film, because there's a few things I do want to discuss about it, but we did get to see a few trailers in front. Mm-hmm. One that really stood out to me that I was really, at least in the superhero aspect of things, was Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, it's all animated, which we mm-hmm. really haven't seen. An animated superhero movie in theaters, I don't know, since The Incredibles? Right. When was the last time we got that? Yeah. And that would, it would then maybe incre- before that, uh, Mask of the Phantasm? Yeah. I don't probably. even... It's very rare that we get an animated superhero film. Right. And, and this and, looks amazing. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is that the main character is Spider-Man, but it's Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Not Peter Parker. Because in his world, of course, Peter Parker died. Mm-hmm. And then that's how Miles Morales gets the spider powers. But not that I think this is much of, if you know much about the Spider-Verse comics, the Peter Parker of our universe, the Peter Parker that we know, the older Peter Parker, winds up in Miles Morales' world. And it looks like they're going to go down that road in this movie because you see Miles Morales talking to Peter Parker. Okay, I think that's kind of a good idea when you're going for... A movie to take a more familiar character to reach a broader audience because most people know Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Yeah, they don't know the Miles Morales. They don't know Miles. Yeah. They don't know Miles Morales. 
Another film trailer that I saw that I've been hearing a little bit about the movie. I don't. I've been trying to avoid spoilers because it's the kind of movie that appeals to me. Uh, the house with the clock in its walls. Yes, the kind of steampunk kind young of adults, but it's sort of it's some steampunk. There's some Adams Family kind of things going on in this, and uh, of course you have uh, Kate Blanchett. Kind of Lemony Snicket's feel to it. Definitely yeah. a Lemony Snicket's feel. You got Kate Blanchett in it. You've got Jack Black in it. And and uh, side note, does Kate Blanchett ever age? I don't know. I, I don't. Think I have so. never, unless they put makeup on her to make her look old. I think she's looked the exact same yeah. since 1992 i am definitely looking forward to that film and checking that out and then of course we got the latest harry potter well i don't mm-hmm. know at this point you call it harry potter the, uh the prequel mm-hmm. uh, crimes of grindelwald this we're going to get to see a young dumbledore of course we've got some really interesting movies coming up but let's go on to ready player one Oh, and Rampage. We oh, saw the, Ramp- Rampage. the Rampage. Yes, uh-huh. based and on- which I didn't know, you told me, was based on... It was based on a video game, a, a console video game. So it was a really good idea that they put this trailer in front of Ready Player One. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the perfect setup for mm-hmm. it. Because there's been this theme in Hollywood to take games and make movies out of them. And some of them work. Clue. S- clue, well, <laughs> clue work. But... They actually... Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario. Are we allowed to talk about that? Honestly, the first one I can remember as uh, growing up was Mortal Kombat. Right. That was the very first video game to movie that I can remember. Well, I have to say probably the goofiest and least working of the movies, board game to movie, the worst had to be Battleship. <laughs> yeah. Battleship. <laughs> When did you play Battleship and go, hey, this, this would make, make an awesome movie. movie. But uh, going back to Ready Player Ready One. Ready Player One. I will say that this movie has a lot of mixed reviews, and I can mm. understand why that is. Someone who was criticizing the movie said that this movie was a lot like a kid thinking that eating uh, chocolate cake for breakfast was a good idea. And I'm like, mm. okay, so what's wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a muffin. It's a chocolate muffin. Chocolate it's a, it's chip muffin. Cho- yeah, it's, like a, it's a chocolate muffin. It's just a moisture chocolate muffin. <laughs> But what I thought was funny about a lot of these reviews is a lot of the things they complain about are things that, well, you knew you were going to get in the movie. It's like, oh, there's all these references, all these obscure geek references (laughs) all over the place. And it's like... That was the plot of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's kind of what... It wasn't like they sprung them on you and you were Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't expecting this. That was a huge plot point of the movie was the fact that the creator, Holloway, was so into pop culture that they had an entire IT department... That were just studying everything that he loved. Exactly. So that was a big plot point of the movie. Exactly. It'd be like somebody watching a comedy going, man, I tried to get into this, but it's like they're cracking jokes every five seconds. It's like, well, it's it's a comedy. It's comedy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what you're in there for. And so I found that kind of weird is that people would criticize basically what the movie was about. Now, I understand that some people had some issues because, I mean, there's a lot of gaming stuff in there. And there's been a lot of issues with gamers and people talking about the toxic environment in gaming. Which is a fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of online gaming. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody, PewDiePie or, or Ninja recently, who gets busted because they're on a Twitch stream and they drop the N-word. Which, and not that I'm going to try to justify why anybody would say something like that. Because there's no reason ever to say something like that. But at the same time, if you're playing these video games and you're talking to people, that word gets dropped all the time. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. all the time. It's like anytime somebody gets mad at the way somebody else is playing, that's what they'll say. They'll use the N-word just to say it. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that situation all the time, I mean, if I were playing games all the time, eventually I think that word would slip out of me, not because I meant to say it, mm-hmm. but you keep hearing it over and over and over uh-huh. again. And see, I, I don't game. Yeah. You know, I tabletop game. I've never played an online game ever. I played my Nintendo Entertainment Center yeah. <laughs> system and that, you know, side-scroller games, that's pretty much it. So when you say things like Twitch streaming, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, Twitch streaming is kind of like YouTube, but what it does is it's a video platform, but it's meant mostly for when you're playing video games. You can start up a Twitch stream so people can watch you play the game. Oh, okay. You see, I can remember you and our friend Kevin from Real Deal having discussions because, you know, I wasn't around when arcades were just massive and people watching people play video games and them being on TV. And like the Don Bluth games, because they looked so cool. People wanted to watch people play them. Now, going in to see Ready Player One and not being a part of the gaming community, I had no problem with it. I didn't have a problem understanding how it worked or that there were all these video game references. I didn't know what ColecoVision was or anything, but that didn't spoil anything in the movie for me. I still understood what was going on. Right. And you also had the issue with Gamergate, where a female gamer and somebody who was involved in game design, a boyfriend got angry, got jealous, started sending her just mm-hmm. hate-filled speech, a lot of death threats, and then a lot of his friends decided to troll in on it, start doing the same thing. Oh. And there are a lot of women gamers, a lot of women game designers. It's caught, getting bullied. We're getting bullied online. Yeah. And yes, that's also a really horrible thing. And so I can understand why some people with that in the back of their mind might not be that cool about a movie that embraces that culture. Mm-hmm. Although, in the movie, the gaming culture is a little more accepting. Well, I mean, even now, those type of people, are they're the exception and not the rule. And, of course, like you mentioned, Kevin, he games online all the time. We, have, mm-hmm. we, all, we both have friends who do a lot of online gaming mm-hmm. and are not even close to being the type of people who would discriminate or bully or even drop the N-bomb on right, anybody right. at all online just because of gameplay or all that stuff. For me personally, because I don't even want to expose myself to that kind of stuff, I don't do online uh, gaming. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of other reasons too, but I mean, certainly that's part of it. And I can understand, again, why somebody would have an issue with a movie that celebrates gaming when well, there's a... It goes back to the same discussion that we had about cosplay. Right. Same thing, all the shaming and cosplay, all the discrimination and cosplay. Right. Every community has the bad apples in it, every single one of them. Yeah. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, but I will also say that one thing about some of the criticism that I'm seeing about Ready Player One is because of a lot of that toxicity and a lot of negativity that is in the gaming sphere, I think a lot of people have been writing articles about Ready Player One through those glasses. And mm-hmm. I think in some cases mm-hmm. they're seeing some things that maybe are not really in the movie. And I think the biggest example I would say of that is the role of Artemis Samantha a female character Mm -hmm. in the movie. I've seen more than one article say that she's basically a reward for Wade, the main character, because he succeeds and wins the game. He gets the girl. And the way it was described in this one article, she's a good gamer, but she's not as good as he is. She doesn't win the game. He wins the game. And because he wins the game, he gets the girl. And I don't feel that way, but, but I've only seen it once and I didn't read the book. 
I don't feel that way because I really do feel like she was on her own journey and he just happened to be kind of like Captain Kirk coming by on a planet and helping them out with their problem. Uh, she had a problem and he helped her out with it. The thing is, and why those type of things kind of bother me a little bit, not that I'm really angry with anybody, mm-hmm. but knowing how rare it can be for women to have agency in a movie, especially when they're not the main character. Although saying Samantha's not a main character is... I almost wouldn't want to say that she's a co-main character because she has an arc, just mm-hmm. like Wade has an arc. But I will say that you have a situation where it's very difficult for movies to give women agency for some mm-hmm. reason. Hollywood doesn't seem to want to do this. It kind of hurts a little bit that when a movie does give a woman some agency, for it to be just dismissed out of hand and ignored because mm-hmm. it, it's so hard to get that to happen that when it does happen, we need to celebrate that and not just kind of overwrite it. You know, Samantha's not Wade's prize. In any Mm -hmm. aspect, yes, they're together at the end. But if Samantha's Wade's prize, Wade's Samantha's prize too. This was a relationship that developed between the both of them. Mm -hmm. And they're equal partners in this relationship. And I don't think that every time that a woman winds up in a relationship at the end of the movie that she's the prize. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, There's and something a... about with these two that I feel a lot of times in, especially what romantic comedies. Oh, that's the love. That's the absolute love of your life. And if something happened to one or the other one, then the other one would just be devastated and not be able to move on with their life because that was the one love. And that doesn't happen if they broke up or if something happened to one of them. I think these two characters would be fine. I think they could move on and find love again, and that would be all right. And that's because we have these grand love stories. We have the Romeo and Juliets. We have these Rhett and Scarlet that we all want, and all these love stories. That's their one true love, and they can't have anyone else. But that doesn't happen in real life. If the love of your life dies, you can find love again. It's not the be-all, end-all. Right. And for me, I think the gold standard on this and why I don't consider Samantha just basically a prize character for Wade is it's not like she shows up, she's kind of cool, but then she spends the rest of the movie following him around or she's necessarily just putting up resistance just to put it up. And then through some moment, he's able to win her heart. And besides that thread, she's really not necessary to the plot. Samantha is really necessary to this plot. They don't win without her. Mm-hmm. They don't at all. She's as important to winning the game as Wade is. Without the both of them, it, it doesn't work. And ma- as a matter of fact, if really when he finally clans up with, and guys, obviously we're going to be talking oh, about spoilers. spoilers. Forgot the spoiler we've alert. Mention, Sorry. <laughs> we've got to if mention, you haven't seen Ready Player One, yeah. stop listening. <laughs> but, but anyway, so when he winds up with a bunch of other people, a clan of five people call themselves the high five. Mm -hmm. You take any one of them out of the equation and they don't win. Mm -hmm. All five of them are necessary to complete what's going on Mm -hmm. because they work as a unit. But because of that, Samantha is not just a two dimensional character. Who's basically a trophy for Wade. Mm -hmm. She is a very important character and she puts her neck on the line a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. A great deal in ways that none of the other characters really do, but necessarily so to help them to get to the end. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't see her as, like I said, as some two-dimensional bimbo character that's just there for an additional prize for Wade. Right. And with the type of stuff that Hollywood is prone to feed us, along with a good deal of negativity, justifiably so, that people think is involved in gaming, I can see why... If you're looking through those glasses, you're going to see stuff that maybe isn't quite there. Mm -hmm. But 
I had a great time watching the movie. Seriously. I mean, now that we've talked about all the deep characterization and analysis of the film and stuff, and now we can say this is a freaking great movie to watch. Take take your family. It's so much fun. Oh, yes. It's, it's great. It's visually fantastic and beautiful. I, I don't even know where to start with this. And Again, we don't want to go too much in spoiler stuff because there's mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff in there that you just have to experience for mm-hmm. yourself. But one thing I'll definitely say, some people were questioning whether there's too much fan service in there. There's too many references because a lot of them go by so fast, you don't catch them. But, and why I enjoy that, and why I think it works in this film, is you get what I like to call the trading card effect. Which is, you may see something I don't see. Uh, mm -hmm. And I may see something you don't see. Right. It's like, hey, did you see the Mm -hmm. Mach 5? And it's like, oh no, I didn't see that. Where was that? And Mm -hmm. it's like, but hey, hey, did you see... Will Wheaton hanging on the wall. Did you hear Will... Exactly. There's Mm -hmm. Will Wheaton's picture on the wall. Which, Mm -hmm. of course, he was the voice of the audiobook for Ready Player One. And... Of course, Easter eggs are all over this movie. yes. Easter egg is pretty much the theme of the movie. It's a fun movie. Like I said, I I understand and I can sympathize with some of the criticisms involved. But if anything else, there's I think there's a lot of great lessons in this movie, not just on how gamers should deal with each other, but also deal with what actually is the real world. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing with, like I said, I haven't read the book yet, but this has great parallels to classic literature, guys. I really feel like it was Great Expectations and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and some great philosophies. It's a deep movie, but it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. It's many, many levels. There's surface where it's all fun. There's depth where you need it. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a perfect movie, but what it gave me, I was very happy to have. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And so, you know, obviously, completely would recommend this film. Oh, yeah. Anybody who wants to check this out, if you, especially if you're a geek, you're going to love the heck out of this movie. And it's one of those movies you're probably going to be watching more than once because, mm-hmm. again, the trading card effect, you're going to want to go through and catch stuff. Because when I watched it with you, mm-hmm. it was your first time watching it. It yes. was my second time watching it. Mm-hmm. And there was a – and I'm not going to say where this is, but there's a reference to Escape from New York in the movie. And mm-hmm. I didn't catch it the first time, but okay. I caught it the second time. So I think a lot of the fun in this movie is going to be eventually when it comes out on Blu-ray. It's going to be a very pausable yes. movie. I think Cabin in the Woods was one of the most paused movies because they wanted to see the bet board with all the things and they wanted to see all the the cubes. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods. And they wanted to see all the creatures in the cubes. Right. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where you're just going to be going through frame by frame because the number of Easter eggs that people found in the trailers... Mm-hmm. was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like... That's the first time I saw Iron Giant. I was like, that looks like the Iron Giant. And then it was just really quick. I never actually watched the trailer, but I saw it. And someone said, oh, yeah, the Iron Giant's in it. Yeah. You're like, what? I know. How do you... And that's going to be, for me, as like, I know somebody, some people criticize. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of fan service. But you know what? I went in there for fan service. I, that's what I wanted. And I got it. And I was very happy with it. Mm-hmm. But I also got a surprisingly interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people kind of write it off because of pretty straightforward narrative. It is in some aspects. But here's the thing. And this is just something as a storyteller I know about. The hardest thing to play off is multiple arcs. The most difficult thing to play off is where the hero and the villain both have an arc at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really get that in this movie. That's Mm -hmm. why I wouldn't say it's like a top five film. Because if you had a moment where the hero and the villain both have epiphanies, then you're dealing with like next level storytelling. Which is why I 
say that you know Black Panther is the perfect movie, but exactly. I will I will endlessly talk about Black Panther. So there you go. <laughs> I will never stop talking about it. <laughs> and it's still in theaters, and it's still making good money. Yes, and Black Panther Two is coming. I mean, um, <laughs> Avengers, Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. War. Exactly. <laughs> But, so, it's straightforward storytelling. There's some surprising depths in there if you just you know, keep your eyes open for it. But it was an enjoyable film, and definitely, I would recommend it, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, now we get to this week's Walking what the, Dead. What the Dead? What the Dead. And this week's episode was called, Gotta Mean Something. So, what was your impressions of it starting out? Okay, let's first talk about Jadis and her very feng shui, beautiful studio apartment. Yes, it was very... Where did that come from? Yeah, so inside this trailer, she's got this very nice... It looked like a pine wall ceiling. Very pretty. It's it's very Japanese, very minimalistic. So much so, in fact, that the first thing that popped into my head when she walked into the room was, Take your shoes off! What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, that set against the entire series, Brian, is so starkly different. Really, you know, it's like, who, who is this woman? And she's getting much more interesting in, in my head. Yeah, she's definitely not the weird talking woman who does some paintings and wire sculptures and she keeps trying to get Rick naked. Yeah, yeah there's something. There's definitely something. something. But she's not good at tying up her hostages. No. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to tie someone to a dolly, you need to also tie their hands yeah. and not leave them open from the elbow to the shoulder. They're going to get your gun and a flare and they're going to threaten to burn your pictures. Yeah, here's the thing. We had two main stories going on this week. First one, of course, being Jadis and Negan, mm-hmm. and that whole deal between them. And the other one was Rick and Morgan going after the escaped mm-hmm. uh, saviors who escaped the hilltop. Those were like the two main things going mm-hmm. on. There was like a little side, little tiny subplot with uh, with Carol, with and Carol and Henry. What I am now calling a Sophia's redemption. Yes. Because seriously, that was that was so obvious, Brian. I mean, there's, that was that wasn't subtle at all. I mean, no. like, look, this kid is trapped under a tree just like Sophia was. Yeah, of course. This time, Carol's able to rescue him and bring right. him home. But going back, like the the two main plots, mm-hmm. you have in a sense, you kind of have this redemption between Negan and Jadis. Yeah, because they both have the opportunity to hurt each other. In a very psychological, emotional way. Mm-hmm. And they both take a pass on it. Of course, sort of like a, a little side note on the whole Jadis uh, Negan thing is the helicopter comes back. Yeah, and she knew exactly when it was going to be there and she wanted to signal them. So, has she been hiding this entire time? Like, every time the helicopter comes back, do all the trash people get under the trash and stay quiet? Or is there a different signal that says, all's well here? And then we have this other signal that says, we need rescued. Yeah. And is that the fire? So does she know these people? Do yeah. Is she trying to hide from them? Yes. it's. Yeah. She obviously knows more than she's letting on. But, we, of course, we don't know what exactly is going on here. Obviously, this is going to be something that's going to develop as things go along. But, again, we have sort of this redemption moment for both Negan and Jadis because, of course, Negan already knows what Simon did there. Mm -hmm. And he ain't happy about it. Right. And Jadis eventually does believe him and... And we got got some Negan backstory. Yes. And just from being online (laughs) and knowing... uh, I know some of Negan's backstory, so I forget what... All has been revealed in the show. Yeah. Um. What well, did, What all did he tell Gabriel? What all has he told yeah. anyone? Well, you know, so. he, he 
they've really kind of gone on with, of course, him, um, his relationship with his wife. The thing with Negan and talking about his past, this was something that really we're only in the comics learning about recently. And uh, Negan, of course, Negan had a wife, Mm -hmm. Lucille, and he wound up losing her. To cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he had been cheating on her because he wasn't a very good husband. Right. He was a, we, and it was revealed in the show that he was a public school teacher. Right. He was a coach. He was a coach. Ping pong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. Those of you who did not know, Negan was a ping pong coach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd think like, I don't know, baseball, softball because of Lucille, because of the Louisville Slugger. Nope. Ping pong. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a good, he was a good one. He was a good one. But, again, I have a feeling that kind of pushing all this stuff forward, they're, they're trying to do things really quickly in the show. They're trying to develop stuff that, in the comics, took a bunch of issues mm-hmm. to do. And so they're trying to fast forward the story with Negan. Negan winds up going back to the... Goes yes. back to, and, and he stops and picks someone up. But we don't know who. I know who I want it to be. And you're going to laugh at me. You know, uh, I really want it to be Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to have faked his death, climbed up out of his grave. And now he's walking around and Negan stops and picks him up. Although I feel that, you know, Negan would have had a much uh, bigger reaction if it were. So who do you feel that he picked up? I, I don't know at this mm-hmm. point. I, I don't know. Now, do you think it might be uh, the old hilltop mayor? Because he wasn't in the uh, he wasn't exactly. he wasn't in the the massacre, right? The the Rick and Morgan massacre. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's. To be honest, I think that's probably the best guess. Mm-hmm. I would say I can't uh, see why that wouldn't be mm-hmm. the, the situation. I don't want it to be him, but <laughs> yeah. Well, he's sort of uh, Walking Dead's living hemorrhoid. Yeah, you know, he just is. Does not go away mm, ever. He's a boil. He, yeah. He is a carbuncle. Yeah, just lance him and. Yeah, there you go. Dig him out. But on the other side, then we have Rick and we have Morgan, and they do finally catch up with the saviors. And one of the strangest things winds up happening where there's sort of like a mini rebellion where the majority of the saviors decide to basically side with Rick and Rick this we are having none of this kills them all yes the Rick and Morgan massacre yeah this is they're they're like nope we are we are having none of this yeah which is which is really weird because a few seasons before Rick would have been all about this I mean these Mm -hmm. and the thing was they were being sincere this wasn't some sort of a trick arms come on in yeah these weren't people trying to trick him Mm-hmm. This, is, they were, they this were, goes back to like Woodbury bringing in the Woodbury survivors into the prison. This but is... Rick, Rick turned on a dime, and the, the minute they stopped saving him from Walkers, he turned on him and killed all of them, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And here's what's kind of weird about this: is that in this episode, I find myself siding more with Negan than I'm siding with Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Who thought that was going to happen? I know, but the, as they've said, if we had seen Negan from the beginning till now, we'd be on his side, not Rick's. Yeah. So. Well, I'm not exactly can't... sure what side I am on now, because Rick is kind of messed up at this point. Yeah. Well, he knew what, what was going on with Morgan, because he'd seen it before. And instead of trying to help him out or trying to calm him down, he decided to weaponize him. 
Yeah, he's got stuff and things to do. Crazy Morgan. Crazy Morgan is on his. A, he's, he's, he's a, his tool. He's a good. He's, he's a, a good tool. But here's the other thing that worries me: is that he, of course, the episode ends around about the time. Well, toward the end of the episode, Rick starts reading Carl's letter, and mm-hmm. it looks like that's kind of moved him to a certain degree. But if he just does a 180 at this point, just from reading this letter, I don't know. That that sounds like that again. I'm wondering how fast they're trying to push this story forward because mm-hmm. to go from ruthless Rick to tender-hearted Rick over uh, and it's his son's letter, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But but it should have moved him immediately. He should have been reading it immediately. Yeah. Well, and the thing about it too is that just because he's moved by this letter is is he going to do like a complete 180 that fast? Mm-hmm. I I wonder. I I wonder if that's maybe not trying to push the story forward too quickly because they're Again, there seems to be these moments where they're trying to push the story forward faster than, of course, what happens in the comics. And we've only got two episodes left before the season finale. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record saying this because I know how I've well I've seen how The Walking Dead seems to work, which is the mid-season finale always is sort of like a hopeful note. But the season finale for every season has been, for, at least for the last few seasons, a really messed up, really screwed up cliffhanger. Yeah. And yeah, I'm wondering, think... if everybody just assumes that the war is going to be over by the end of this season. In two episodes, though. In two oh. episodes. That's a lot of stuff to happen. Yes. But I can see them, maybe the war not being quite over, but it coming to a head in the season finale, and something really bad happening to Rick. But them not coming to a, basically wrapping that part of it up. The, kind of the, him sitting under the tree mm-hmm. is the where we're going to... Yeah, st- with the stained glass may mm-hmm. be where the season finale ends. Okay. In a moment where it looks like he's he's really messed up. Possibly could even die, but they're not going to resolve it. The all-out war is not going to be resolved at the end of, the, of this season. It's going to come to a head. There's going to be a major messed-up cliffhanger. And then we've got months and months of waiting to see what happens. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. But we've got two episodes to wait and see how that turns out. Yep. That's what I'm thinking at this point, because I don't see how you could come up with a satisfying conclusion to the whole thing. In not in two, two epi- hours. <laughs> not no. in two hours. Well, I assume that the season finale is going to be longer than, than um, a regular episode. Because mm-hmm. okay. they, they've done that before. Right. Plus, they're going to be showing it in theaters. That's right. They're going to be showing it in theaters. It's going to be a double bill. They're going to start out with the season finale of Walking Dead, and then... They're going to show the season opener for the, the next season of Fear of the Walking Dead. So we're getting a science fiction double feature? Yes. <laughs> so they've only got two episodes left. Some real serious stuff is going to happen this next Sunday, obviously. Yep. But what exactly that's going to be, I can't even begin to tell you. But I just don't see how there's any possible way we're going to get a resolution by the end of the mm-hmm. season. Rome will burn. And so with that, that'll be the end of this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding you that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time.